Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Miracle Larry podcast. I'm Dr. Jack Cush, and today we have a special guest. Larry, you doing okay today? Hey, how are you, Jack? <laughs> always, always in good shape. Why don't you introduce our special guest? Let the audience look at him just a minute, look at you, and try to figure it out. Uh, Larry, who's our guest? Uh, I, today, I, this is, I, I'm going to be surprised about how this goes today more than anybody. Uh, this is my older brother. Um, <laughs> he, he's not actually my older brother. He's my younger brother. Um, and this is Danny. Um, you know, we the, we did this podcast, Jack, that, uh, that my story resonates with so many people and everybody has a story. And uh, D- Danny's such a huge part of my story, but his story um, is his own. And, uh, you know, his COVID story is his COVID story. And uh, he thinks he should have his own podcast, but uh, he thinks he should have his own. But this is, uh, it, this is going to be um, pretty special for me. Um, but this is my, my kid brother, Danny Kelly, um, wrestler extraordinaire, to give you a little background. He's a New York State wrestling champion in high school and went to Old Dominion on a Division One athletic scholarship. Um, the uh, Besides that, he's 13 years younger than me, by the way. Um, the uh, So wait, wait, he's probably, and I say this um, to, to most people, that he's probably the closest person I am to on the planet in terms of he knows things about me that no one knows. <laughs> this is why he's here. Larry. This is like a This Is Your Life episode. And we're getting <laughs> heels, the deep underbelly of the Kelly clan. So, Danny, thanks for joining us. This is great. You're the first of the Kelly clan that we're going to have on here. And this, gosh, we had a million and one questions to ask you. But um, let's just begin simply with um, when did you first know about Larry getting sick and going in the hospital and how did that affect you? What was going on in your life? Well, obviously it was very early, so we didn't even have the shutdown yet. Um, I texted Larry and I said, do you want to play poker on Friday night? I think this was uh, maybe Thursday. Uh I said, do you want to play poker on Friday? He says, no, I'm not feeling well. Jess, uh, um, Jackie and I are going to get uh, uh, get a COVID test. And uh, this is how early it was. They had just, New York had just gotten the test. Um, so I didn't even really, uh, I think I made fun of him. I said, oh, come on. Like uh, he was falling for the, <clears throat> he was falling for the uh, the scare tactics that were going on. People right. fearing COVID, which at the time I did, I had no fear of it. And so then Friday came. Um, he the, the, back then the test took days to come out, right? Five to seven days. So they told him to quarantine at home. He, he really wasn't feeling well. So he asked me to if I could go get him some medicine at the pharmacy and some Gatorade. And that was uh that was a Friday. That was uh March, if I do the backwards 16, 15, 14, probably March 13th. Um and uh 
I brought him his Gatorade and he he was quarantining at home. He took it very seriously. He stood at the door. Um, he he wouldn't let me come in. He just had me leave the uh, you know the Gatorade and and the and the medicine at the door. And even then, I still wasn't. Uh, uh, I thought he was overreacting. Um, that's how early this was. Wow. And uh, then I'll I'll just jump ahead. It is a long story, but I'll just jump ahead that. Uh, I one interesting thing that I had been talking about since day one of the pandemic, which didn't really become a a verified symptom until months and months and months later. But uh, I had so they did the shutdown. And so I did what everyone else did. I started making big meals and I made some lasagna and I texted Larry. I think it was Monday, uh, the 16th of March. Um, I said, uh, I made lasagna. Do you want, uh, um, do you want me to bring you some? And he said, oh, I would love it, but I can't taste anything anyway. And Larry was the first person that had mentioned that he lost his sense of taste, uh, because of COVID. Although, although it became, uh, you know, and like I said, it wasn't, it was never talked about on, on TV, on anywhere. Uh, and I kept saying, oh, Larry said he, you know, he, he lost his taste. And then eventually it became very well known that a lot of people uh, lost their sense of taste. Right. Very, so that was very much a hallmark feature. Yeah. Um, but if you but if you look back, you'll see that it wasn't uh, it wasn't talked about, at least from the professionals um, for for quite a long time. So uh, I was telling people that, you know, I was giving Larry's information to people uh and uh you know before they had known so then that was monday tuesday march 17th st patrick's day uh larry got taken to the hospital via ambulance that's how poorly he was feeling and uh i got a text and he was still texting though if you remember he was still texting uh and well, um, the uh, us talking about it, he was still texting, and this was Tuesday, and then by Thursday, the text had stopped. Like the last thing he had texted me on Wednesday was, um, uh, you know, that he was he was feeling okay. He was still having trouble breathing. He felt like they were you know, taking very good care of him um, and that he was a little scared. Um, So I still, if, uh, if he wasn't scared, uh, if he, he didn't make, he didn't give me the concern that I needed to panic. And then on Thursday, I find out through, the text just stopped and I found out through uh, Dawn and Jackie that they intubated him. And in my head, I'm like, that really that's serious that means he can't breathe on his own um so that was the if you want to pick a moment where it it turned serious it was obviously the fact that they had to intubate him because i know and let's not put covid intubation aside previously you know and you you're the doctor jack of course correct me if i say anything wrong uh 
intubations didn't really last long. You know, people were intubated for days until they were able to breathe on their own. There was no such thing as being, you know, intubated for, you know, for months at a time. Uh, um, well, let uh, me just stop you there and, and verify yeah. what you said. And that when this happened, um, I told both um, Jackie and Dawn and the other Danny, Larry's friend, and uh, other friends, we're going to find out in three days whether how he's going to do. Because usually intubation is um, something you do to get someone over the hump while you're supporting them, turning them around. And most, I mean, yeah, there are people who stay intubated for years and months and whatever, but generally going to an ICU, you get intubated. It's, it's the beginning of a three to seven day scenario. Many of those scenarios don't end up well, meaning the person dies. And so ICU intubated, bad, bad risk factor. Oh my God, COVID. It's even like, you know, we got a 50% chance of dying at this point. But when I told them we're going to know in three or four days, I was like so wrong. I was not even close to being correct because my goodness, he was intubated for, you know, what was it? 53 days. Um, and, 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 you know, and a, a coma for most of that. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was beginning of what we knew about COVID and we knew nothing about COVID. And you knew not, and they knew nothing. Right. And, uh, but like, like you just said, my pedestrian knowledge of, uh, of being intubated was that it, you it would be a short-term thing um but it's still a serious thing so that was thursday and um friday so larry was in uh the hospital right by where you know i live so friday i said well i'm gonna go uh and they had already said no one can go to the can can go to the hospitals um I said, well, I'm going to go there, you know, but maybe they'll gown me up or something. And, you know, they'll let me in. I couldn't imagine how can these patients go through this without their loved ones there. That if you take anything away from from the beginning, even for and this lasted for a long period of time, was the fact that so many people did not have their friends and family with them. Sure. And they had to re- they had to rely on you know on on the essential workers and the and the nurses and the doctors um but that being said i thought for sure i i go in they refused to let me in but within two minutes a doctor came down and spoke to me and we went to dr. the side. Myrna. dr Myrna, by the way what who it was a female uh her name's dr Myrna Mahomraj. Right. Okay. I think uh, I, I, you know, at the time I didn't get, I wasn't taking names and everything, but uh, she, we went, she allowed me to come into an area that was blocked off in the waiting room. Cause there was no waiting room anymore. Uh, not the, like in the lobby, I should say. And, uh, and that's when she told me uh, that Larry was the sickest COVID patient that they had. Now, I do understand that uh, there was not a lot at this point yet. I mean, it tremendously came, but for her to say that about Larry at such a large hospital, um, that was also the next, that was the next thing that made this uh, uh, seem, seem serious. Very real, very serious, very bad. So you got turned away and, you know, you went away thinking, 
oh my God, I was just talking to him, talking about lasagna. And next thing, now I can't talk to him and he's in the ICU and he's intubated. What are you thinking about as you go home and you don't know what your next step is? I, well, like I said, so they, we didn't officially have the lockdown yet. Actually, I think it came on, uh, maybe it did. I'm, I, I, I'm a little, uh, fuzzy about some places closed earlier than others if you remember right. uh and in a lot of places like when i was i worked at yankee stadium you, you can't just walk away from it you know some people managers and and some staff had to come in and and basically you know close it winterize it so i was still going to work at the time <clears throat> but by then um you know i was home and uh my now wife uh, who was my girlfriend at the time, she she had decided to, she didn't want to, uh, she wasn't feeling well either. Um, so she came and stayed with me. And uh, I was just telling her, you know, like this is serious with Larry. Now, another thing, you know, Larry... Larry didn't want anyone to know. He said he did the last thing. Actually, the last thing he texted me was tell Michael not to put it on Facebook. Uh, our brother, Michael, who's, who's yeah, very, yeah. who's very <laughs> prominent on Facebook. Um, now, uh, I, uh, yeah, I don't want to turn this podcast into my thoughts about Facebook, but although I am on Facebook, I, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of Facebook because I think it's uh, just the way it's uh, changed sure. over the years. Right. Um, used to be a very uh, wonderful thing that you could, you know, share positive stories and uh, you could connect with childhood, you know, people you haven't seen since kindergarten and you've all of a sudden you could connect with them on Facebook. It really was a wonderful thing. So Larry said, don't tell Michael not to put it on Facebook. And he told me, if it's okay, if I say this, Larry, he told me, oh, and don't tell anyone in my building. Uh, he didn't want anyone to know that he had COVID. I didn't so, want Dawn and Jackie to be shunned. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just like any, uh, just like any um, poorly uh, understood uh, disease. Uh, you didn't want, you know, you didn't want people to have any negative thoughts. So, so at this point, I obviously I wasn't going to spread it around. But what I did was I, 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 I sent a text to about 20, you know, key close people just to let them know um, what, what was going on that Larry uh, had COVID and he was he was uh, intubated and um, and I don't have a lot of information uh, and that's and I and I sent out that that text so that became like the beginning of my 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 COVID experience. Right. Um, it was the beginning of the the oh my god beginning where you didn't know a yeah. lot and you were going to live day to day. So what happened in the next month and a half, more or less, is, you know, everyone's living at home, hanging on text messages and phone calls, looking for information. How did 
the Kelly family handle information about what was going on with Larry? Because it was a day-to-day ticker tape that was pretty bleak, pretty negative. You know, was, I often said it was one step forward, two steps back. And um, how did you stay in touch or get in the loop on this? So each day, so I, Dan, I before, know- before you go, before you go, I just want to say something, Jack, that uh, Dan um, had, to, had to wear two hats. One was his own experience, it, but he, he felt responsible for my family too, Dawn, Jackie, Jess. So uh, I just I just wanted to throw that in there. Yep. Yeah. He barreled through this while, I, while keeping an eye on Jack, I won. I'm I, won I won eight eight minutes before he started uh, crying. That's okay. Um, <laughs> well, it's usually around 10, but the yeah. under over. The under over is, <laughs> the under over. Under over is six. Yeah. <laughs> so but uh, but as I'll and I'll, I'll echo that, Larry. Meaning, I'm the outsider who's getting information from the hospital and feeding it to the family, and uh, and also to Danny in a number of different calls. And yeah, Danny was very much the you know uh, there was a hierarchy of some decision making, and Danny did play that role of like let me step in, let me have some say, let me let me be involved in this. I mean, everybody had to say, everybody had the same degree of you know ultra concern. <laughs> But um, Danny, it seemed to me as the outsider that that was the ro- important role that you were playing for, um, especially Jackie and Dawn. Well, it, it and I, I I I see that as well. Um, you know, it it's it's like when our mom was not not doing well towards the end. Our uh, sister Jen, my twin sister, she was dealing with it the most because she lived with you know near close to my to my mother um so obviously i live closest to larry we live in the city together uh for actually you want to you want to know what's uh, crazy larry uh september 11th is this is my my 30 uh 3rd year anniversary of when i came to the city uh because of larry uh, September 11th always used to be my anniversary. Of course, now it has uh, dual meanings. But this is the 33rd anniversary. I moved September 11th, 1990. I started at Steve McGraw's. I plucked uh, them out of. I plucked them out of college and uh, had a <laughs> job in an apartment. He had a job. Cool. Uh, which is which is another great story. Uh, well, let's, to, let's, uh, let's stay on communication uh, with the family. Right. So, um, the. It was it was all via via text and FaceTime at the time. So Jackie, so the hospitals were only giving information sometimes only once a day, every 24 hours. It's and since no one could go there, usually you could sit in the waiting room for hours and keep going to the front desk getting updates, right? So that part was gone. So now you had to rely on someone from the hospital calling you or you know or you uh jack getting in touch with them so when uh when jackie would get the call from the uh, jackie and dawn would get the call from the hospital jackie was recording it jackie would record it then she would uh uh tell you or you 
and she would, I don't know if she recorded it. Dawn recorded it. Dawn recorded it. Yeah. Uh, Jackie and Dawn, well, then they would play me the, then they would play me the recordings and then Jackie would tell me her interpretation of it and Dawn would tell me her interpretation of it and then I would make my own interpretation of it also from talking to you, Jack, and from listening to what the doctor said and then I would put that in a text update and that's when that started. Uh, I started a text update, which I at first only sent out to about 15 to 20 people, um, including family members and friends. What I didn't know, Jack, was that those people were in turn sending it to 10 other people. And then that those 10 people were in turn sending it to 10 other people. So I, I had no idea how quickly this was uh being communicated yeah and it was very much a, a wildfire um when again you had this responsibility um in my mind this is the picture i painted of you danny and we 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 had a number of conversations uh, several where you called me by myself um, often late at night after talking to your family. Um, a lot of it was when you were included in the same uh, group call. Um, um, but I got the impression that um, you were a very angry young man when all this is going on. You were very pissed off. You, you know, you wanted answers. You wanted explanations. You um, didn't know who to believe or what to believe. Was that accurate at all? Uh, I don't know if angry is the word. Uh, the, it, I never, I, I, if anything, I thought I was the, uh, um, showed the least emotion. So if I, by showing uh, the least emotion that came across uh, as anger, um, then I can see that. But I, I would not say I was angry. What I was frustrated with it, it, what I was, and I wasn't angry at individuals. I was angry at the situation, sure. not, not people. Right. So yes, you are right in that sense. I was angry that, uh, that no one could go to the hospitals. I was angry that you couldn't get information faster than every 24 hours. I was angry that, um, uh, that we, you just didn't have that, Normally in, in healthcare, it, it's advocates and people and family members, they are so much a part of it. And I just felt like it was the hospital doing their thing and we couldn't uh, get, get in touch. So in that sense, but I, I, I wouldn't say I was angry. I wasn't uh, uh, at, at people. I was angry of the circumstances uh Maybe frustration is uh, is for lack of a better word. Um, you were like, for example, you're very intense. That's very a very accurate statement about. Um, well, you know, it's funny. Um, Jack, Jess, and Jessica, and Jackie, uh, they would call uh, my they daughters. Would, they would call Je Jessica Kelly and uh, Jessica uh, and Jackie, Larry's daughters. Um, they would call my twin sister 
I'd rather call my twin sister instead of me because I never cried and they wanted someone to cry with. <laughs> so uh, it wasn't, uh, so I, I could see that my trying to be the strong one may, uh, may have come across, but uh, I, don't, I, I don't like the word uh, that angry other than at the situation. Um, for, for example, Jack, tell me if I'm, I'm wrong on this. This is a memory that I have. Uh, so Larry finally gets transferred to, um, the new Jewish home, right? I, uh, where did you get the, where did you get, uh, uh, the tracheoscopy at the new Jewish home, right? No, 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 no. The, Oh, the, uh, the one downtown, right? No, 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 no. The middle one. The Are first you, you had your tracheostomy done in the hospital before they transferred you before Beth, they transferred me to Beth Israel, respiratory care thing, and that's where he went downtown, right? Yeah. That's Beth Israel. But they didn't do it. See, that's that's where you guys are wrong because this is they were supposed to do it, and then they transferred them, and they never did it. I believe. No, no, and, doctor. I know the doctor who did it. He said 13th Street then, 113. Let me let me just clarify. It's really not important, but. What Danny is saying is true in that those days when Larry was really still not doing well, but was had a, awakened and and they were going to need a long term trach um, to to do this. Um, it was going to be done. It wasn't going to be done. There was a lot of confusion about that. And it could have I thought it was done before they transferred. But like Danny, you're saying it could have been done after they done it. But there was a lot of and this was very maddening for me. And also for, I think for you and the family. Right. And this is the point I wanted to make and tell me if you think I'm wrong here. Um, Jack, can you see me? I'm sorry. No, you're off. Just went out. So, uh, we can How do I get on? Uh, just turn the cam back on. You click uh, on the camera. Bottom, bottom left corner. He's so technically uh, savvy. There, there he go. goes. Uh, <laughs> Don't touch any buttons for God's sake. <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, so correct me if I'm wrong or, or if you think I'm wrong. So in my recollection, they were supposed to do it before they transferred them. And then they, every time we called, they said it wasn't done. Then we called again, it wasn't done. Then they called again, it wasn't done. Then they transferred them and said they were gonna do it there. So either way, it doesn't uh, matter. Uh, every yeah, time for three I, can, days, I can tell you Dan that it was done at the very first place because Dr. Myrna was there and Dr. Raymond was the one that did the trach. It was an emergency trach. It was done rapid, and then they sent me downtown. But the uh, well, okay. Was done I, I have pictures on my phone from you at the uh, at the second it place. It doesn't matter. Let's go yeah. on. So anyway, the point is, from what I was gathering, the reason why it wasn't done, but they had never said to us, is because so. If a doctor, a doctor won't just do a procedure just for the sake of doing it, right? If he feels that it has no chance of helping the patient, and it almost was like that whoever was supposed to do that procedure didn't think Larry had a chance, so he didn't do the procedure. Right, and we've, we've covered that actually in the podcast elsewhere, where that they didn't want to do it, and they did it, and it was a part of the miracle story and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Okay, so so my recollection is correct. Yes, yes. In That's a sense, uh, in in a sense, at least the part about maybe they didn't do it because they didn't think that uh, it was worth doing. 
Well, he, thought I, he thought I was gone. No, the surgeon was a Red Sox fan, and, um, <laughs> and that was the end of your story. You know, they, they, they had to find a Yankee fan. So, <laughs> so let's let's let me ask you this, Danny. That um, okay. you um, you and uh, Larry have lots in common, and you're incredibly close. Not just family, and growing up together, living in the city together, doing things together. You know, um, sports is big. You're both uh, big baseball fans and whatnot. You both play poker together regularly you both really enjoy that that's kind of what the the kelly boys are known for um you know this is a story of miracle larry can you paint a story of lucky larry and that's why he lived uh i don't i don't think larry was lucky i think it was him that got through this um, I don't think I don't think luck was involved. I think uh, a lot of uh, uh, because think about it. I've seen people give up before, and he did not give up. Right. Um, and I think that's the difference between luck and and people that certain people survive certain things and certain people don't. And it's not because of luck, it's because of uh, uh, who that person is. Um, if anyone was gonna beat it to tell a story later, everyone said it, it was gonna it was gonna be Larry. Um, it, it, it wasn't looking good, I'll admit that. Uh, but uh, it, it, with all the crazy things that just kept coming one after another, after another, and 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 that that's why, listen, the people that treated him were fantastic. The people uh, on the outside that uh, th this is what I wanted to say. Sorry to to backtrack. The the thing about Facebook, it finally got to the point where I honestly believed, even though the last thing Larry said to me was he doesn't want it on Facebook. I finally believed. I honestly believed the more people that prayed for him, the the better. And there's nothing that reaches more people than Facebook. And from the first moment, we finally, I, I think uh, um, one of my cousins put something just about, because they would ask me, can I put something on Facebook? And I would say, no, Larry doesn't want it on Facebook. And they would just put something vague, like uh, pray for my, my cousin, Larry. So by that point, we finally, uh, you know, we, we finally put it on Facebook and that's where uh, I believe so many more people ended up praying for him, um, uh, and social media played a, played a, a part in that. But it was really yeah. Hey, that's what I was going to ask though. What kind of time frame? When did you start putting a bunch of stuff on Facebook? Well, do you Facebook, remember? The time remember, frame? I was I was the I. It was after I I could go and and. I don't have all the dates, right. you know, memorized like I used to when this was uh, going on. But it was uh, it was pretty it was long into it, um, meaning that uh, you had uh, my text. My text update. I you I think you finally were awake. And when we got to use uh, the Zoom, uh, Jack, at the hospitals, 
the, uh, Zoom and FaceTime. We were on every day with Larry before he could even uh, uh, before he could even talk. Um, yeah, but I have I have some of your long stuff before I actually opened my eyes before Easter. Um, you yeah, but I don't think it's on. I don't think it was. You're posting about you know. Um, yeah, I don't think I was posting about that. I think that was my text. Yeah. Remember? So then finally, uh, finally, okay, yeah, okay, you're right, Larry, because we needed more people involved in prayer. So we made it, even though your last wishes were, don't put it on Facebook, my brother <laughs> Michael, my your last wishes, my your last dying time. wish. <laughs> um, don't put it on Facebook. <laughs> uh, so by putting it on Facebook, you live. See? It's all, yeah, it's, see, like, I, I know. So Thank God you didn't listen to that. I just, all to, I, I thought uh, I was coming home in a week. I thought I was Facebook. coming home in a week. Um, yeah, so one of my texts, Jack, um, my text updates, my brother Michael took that update and right. posted it. He posted it, yeah. That's and what I was going to uh, say. You may have written that text. And that, he took the text. And put yeah, it. and then that way, yeah, because I was like you said, it wasn't me. I was uh, I was allowing uh, uh, I was allowing Michael to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but after that, that kind of opened the doors that it was okay to yeah. talk about it on on Facebook. Okay, so I want to ask next, um, Danny. Can you remember when Larry wasn't doing well? And before he woke up on Easter Sunday, and I know you talked to a lot of the, all his friends, all your friends, uh, family members, you know, the guy that owns the dive bar, you know, you had all these conversations trying to talk out what was going on with your brother who was critically ill. Um, is there any, can you remember a quote from someone that was particularly prescient, someone that changed your thinking that really either gave you hope or changed your thinking about what was going on? That that's a that's an interesting question. Um, I I I can't remember a specific quote, but I I do have to tell you, and I I know I I I give you a lot of praise, Jack. But you were you were the it was your words when we would talk after I would listen to the doctors that I got the most out of meaning, you, you know, and that's why I, that's how I tried to make the text. You were, you were very professional. You didn't, uh, you, you didn't try to, you know, raise our hopes, right. You were very forthcoming. And I think that the people that I spoke to, they didn't give me any, any, specific words that I remember, but what they did do is they were always positive. Right. There was no one that I spoke to that, that, that showed any negativity. Right. Yeah. They, yeah. And I think what that meant was they all knew Larry and they said, Hey, anyone's going to come through this, your brothers, we're praying right? for him. That's what they, that's what people were telling me too. That's what they said. You know, I, I can't tell you people that I hadn't spoken to in, in years, uh, you know, were, were reaching out. Um, you know, when, when Larry got released and I did the Facebook, uh, live, um, 
I got more, uh, even though I made it public so anyone could follow it, I got more friend requests uh, for that day because uh, people wanted to follow because they, they couldn't be there. Um, but although there was a lot of people that came out um, and uh, I, 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 yeah, that's what, that's my recollection, Jack, is that everyone was positive. There was no, there was no negative. And I, I think that helped me. So I didn't, you know, we're, I'm following Larry's progress. He goes from one hospital to another and he gets extubated and he goes to the rehab and he, I don't know when he's coming out and all of a sudden, boom, he's coming out of the hospital. Right. Um, and, and, you know, that's that big scene that most people have seen, you know, on the news where he walks out of the hospital, gets in a wheelchair, he's got cameras and microphones all over. And then there's the, um, the entourage wheelchair walk down Amsterdam Avenue to the dive bar and where he lives. And you put all that on Facebook. And I, gotta I don't say, live at the dive bar. I just want to clarify that. I don't. <laughs> the dive bar where he lives. You go out the back door. <laughs> that was too close bar. together. You go out to the back door of the dive bar. You're in Larry's living room. So you figured out. <laughs> um, well, I used to live. I used to live in the place Larry and I worked. Uh, at the <laughs> So there you go. It's not, a, it's not out of the realm of possibility. But, Danny, um, it was, I got to tell you, on, I'm on the receiving end of what you did it was mind blowing. It was mind blowing. I cried for at least, you know, an hour while all that was going on until he went, actually went into his apartment. Um, and it was just mind blowing. So that thing that you did was such a unbelievable scene, an unbelievable reward to the thousands of people that were following Larry. Yeah, Jack, I think I had, uh, just five thousand views. <laughs> I, I, it was a, uh, and this was um, you know, it was not an easy time for Danny because right after the, that was going on, baseball had stopped. Danny was the uh, director of human resources for Yankee Stadium, and uh, he lost his job in the middle of all this. They closed the stadium, and so. His dream job, his brother's sick. But, you know, it was, every, everybody has a story. And Danny says, Danny says, pretty tough. And uh, he's still here. And yep. uh, and I have to say this, though, Jack. When I did go home, I needed lots of therapy. Twice a week, two times, three times a week. I had to leave the apartment and go somewhere. And, you know, it sort of worked out that Danny lost his job because he took care of me. He took care of me. Yeah, he's the one that took me. So, yeah. I, I will say he's losing, free. Losing the job wasn't wasn't as uh, heartbreaking because I was going through this uh, with Larry. There was more important things. Um, but one thing we didn't even bring up on the podcast that that uh, I gave Larry the name Miracle Larry. That should have been your. That should have been your first question. <laughs> and do you? In my mind, you did that by slapping a sign on the window of the dive bar. Go miracle, Larry! But how did it really happen? It was in one of the texts. So, like he I said, hashtag. He hashtagged. I, I don't know what a hashtag is, so I didn't hashtag it. Other people did. Oh, um, oh. Uh, I don't know how to use hashtags or uh, I'm not very savvy with Instagram and things like that. But uh, 
so that's, as that's, the text, the pound sign. That's, yeah, as the text became a bigger thing, because now I was sending it to probably about 110 people who, like I said, in turn were sending it to other people who in turn were sending it to other people. The texts became, and then I ended one of the texts with when, when it wasn't looking too good um, with uh, basically come on miracle Larry and everyone picked up because at the time people were using different uh, uh, like, you know, the, the, the LGM for let's go Mets uh, uh, hashtag people were uh, were doing let's go Larry. And then all of a sudden miracle Larry, I just ended a text with that once. And then people on Facebook and social media started uh, calling him, started using that in their, in their, uh, in whatever, in their responses and in, in their, uh, on their pages and things like that. So that, that, that's where it started. It was a text. And that's where, you know, uh, Lee from the dive bar, that's where, uh, um, he got Miracle Larry from the text yeah. and then from other people posting it. So, Larry, this means... Um, but then Danny's got credit for it. The New York Times gives him credit for calling me Miracle Larry. So all those Miracle Larry t-shirts, Danny. No, I already trademarked it. Sorry. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but I don't know. He's documented the um, <laughs> original source here. This is going to be... Stay tuned, folks, as we go to the People's Court. <laughs> Judge Wapner will actually rule on which Kelly is right. Gentlemen, this has been a great podcast. Um, today is 9-11 in nine, uh, throughout the country and certainly in New York. There's a lot of reminiscing. There's a lot of thanks for some of the things that happened, even though it was a catastrophic moment. Um, I think this podcast and what you guys did is sort of a parallel to you know how 9-11 affected people. This story has affected people almost in the same sort of catastrophic, but ultimately great way so Jack, i was watching 60 minutes had an episode on 9-11 i watched that sunday and i also watched um something on a pbs which was interviews of survivors or people who lost people and uh you know i i think the three of us here and many other people involved in my story uh the uh I, similar comments from the survivors um and and uh, the feelings they have for the people that didn't survive, or COVID itself, or you know, the the parallel. I've and I've always made it the the parallel of uh, the the terrorist attack on nine eleven and the COVID attack worldwide on the planet are uh, are are not dissimilar. And actually, COVID killed more people. Um, the uh, so I, I use that analogy a lot. Yeah. In, in sense of a uh, wartime or you know um whether the frontline workers or soldiers you know i it's 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 the parallel is very similar you know um, um danny thanks so much for joining the podcast and thanks so much for all you did um in larry's story which is uh just as important as anyone else that's in this in the story so you get last day and you owe me money. You owe me money. So, uh, you know. Oh, oh. So pay your oh, 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 pay your, oh. pay your fantasy football fee. So, <laughs> wait a so, second, wait a second, Jack. Jack, I this shameless promotion. But
but Danny and I own a gorgeous large one bedroom apartment on the Upper West Side that's for sale. That's for sale. So if anybody get in touch with Jack, if you're interested in a gorgeous real estate agent too, who knew? I mean, my goodness. And who knew the Miracle Larry podcast has its first sponsor? Advertising fee, buddy. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Thank you.